Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. All right, so tonight um, we're going to do some back-and-forth reading, some discussion, some Q&A, and a signing at the end. Um, So some of you have tickets for the signing line. Um, So we're going to start those right over here. So if you have ticket number one, you're going to line up right at the corner of this biography section. If you have a member ticket, that's with the red tickets, you're going to line up on the outside of biography. Um, If you do not have a signing line ticket, you can still get your book signed. Um, We just ask that you allow the people with tickets to come through first. Sound good? All right. Um, Without further ado, please silence your cell phones. And I will introduce our readers. All right, Melissa Broder is the author of the novel, The Pisces, the essay collection So Sad Today, and four books of poems, including Last Sext. Her next novel, Milk Fed, will be published in 2021, so keep an eye out for that. Um, Alex Dimitrov is the author of Love and Other Poems, which will be published in 2020, Together and By Ourselves, and Begging for It. His poems have appeared in The New Yorker, The New York Times, The Paris Review, and Poetry. He lives in New York. Please give a warm skylight welcome to Alex Dimitrov and Melissa Broder. Hi guys, how's it going? I really wasn't supposed to be alone. Um, I'm sorry Dorothy Alaski couldn't be here, but um, we do have Melissa. You are an honorary astro poet now. Kind of. Kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. Though you sort of maybe don't believe in astrology. Well, you do. Do you want me to just get my journey out of the way really quickly? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so then I don't have to talk. Well, okay, this is the last, this is the first and last thing I'm gonna say, and then the rest of my talk is gonna be all questions to Alex. Um, when I was 19, I became obsessed with astrology as a way of trying to like control the universe and bring love back to me and stuff. How'd that work out for you? Um, I mean, I, I got, you know, I hooked up a lot. But um, so anyway, but um, over the years, I have like kind of let it go. But mm. I still am like terrified of Aries, except Dottie. Um, Aries so men. That's, that, that's yes. very different. Yes. Yeah. Do we have any Aries men in the crowd? <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Well, they suck. So... Um, but I was actually curious before before you read. Can yeah. you just tell us like what your journey with astrology was? My journey. Um, I'm really in LA. I've heard journey and energy twice now. <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot of that. Um, I don't think I have a journey, but I have, um, unfortunately, uh, I guess a body and a life. So I'm an only child, and. Um, that is sort of what brought me into astrology, probably what brought me into poetry too, because um, I spent a lot of time alone and I didn't really want to spend uh, any time with anyone else um, other than myself. I got pretty comfortable, started reading a lot, you know, like typical angsty Sylvia Plath, Rambo situation. And then my mother gave me a Sagittarius pendant for my birthday one year. I must have been, I don't know, eight, nine a really precarious, weird age for her to do this. Um, So my mother's a Sagittarius, and so is my father. They share the same birthday. Um, Very strange thing. They're terrible parents, shouldn't have had kids. 
Um, I'm a really kind of excellent child, I think. Um, didn't really bother anybody, didn't want to talk to anybody, didn't want to, none of that. So when I got this pendant, I was like, so why are you giving this to me? Like, what is it? Like, and she's like, oh, you know, you're really into mythology and archetypes and you know, this is the Sagittarius constellation. No context whatsoever. Um, so then I started wearing it to school and kids were like, you're already weird and gay and skinny, what's this? <laughs> you know, they were like, what's around your neck? And um, I didn't know. Um, and so then I got obsessed with um, my own sign, which is Sagittarius, which led me to other signs. And I sort of found a lot of comfort in thinking that there might be some sort of logic to why we are here, though even understanding why or how we acted to me pointed to the fact that we know nothing. So I think that astrology has always taught me that um, asking these questions is probably more important than actually waiting to receive the answers because you're sort of never going to receive the answers or not in any way that is satiating to your real you know, impulse of wanting to know, even who to date, who to marry, what to do with your life. I mean, do, do you have the answers to those? No, but I, I mean, I definitely see like a commonality between astrology and poetry in that sense. Totally. Because it's like, um, I feel like poetry dwells in the realm of mystery mm -hmm. and it's more about the question. We don't have to have an answer. Whereas like with prose, you, you're supposed to like make things happen. Yeah, it's um, very hard. Writing prose yeah. now, it's so difficult because things have to occur. Yeah. Like, yeah. so much stuff has to happen. but And with astrology, um, I was going to ask you, like, well, I mean, it seems like there's, like, infinite ways to, like, rationalize a relationship. Like, you can just dip into Venus or Mars. So, like, even if your sun and moon sign aren't a good fit. Yeah. So, again, it becomes more about, like, the questions. It becomes more about the questions. Um, and that's sort of... Um that's sort of a good way to think about it. I think that people think that astrology is only your sun sign, right? Your sun sign is the thing that is the front facing and your rising, where people see that. But then the moon and your Mercury and your Venus and your Mars are sort of the, the underneath currents and sort of who you are at your essence, at your core, when you're stripped down, when you're not performing or polite. And all of us are performing right now. You're pretending to be interested in what I'm saying. I'm, try I'm trying to entertain you. So, well, let's get to that, I guess. Um, how many of you remember where you were when Britney Spears shaved her head? Seminal moment. I think one of the most important moments in our culture, to be honest. Um, 2007, does everyone remember 2007 well? I do. I moved to New York in 2007, um, and Britney Spears had shaved her head. Um, Paris Hilton was on the cover of the New York Post. She was going to jail and Lindsay Lohan had crashed her car. So I was really feeling good about my life. <laughs> I was poor, but I really was not in jail and didn't have a drug problem yet or anything. I don't have a drug problem, but I felt good about it. So Britney Spears um, kind of survived that in a way that I think is emblematic of what it means to be a Sagittarius. How many Sages are in the room? One? One that I know, yeah. Mitchell. Um, well, I'm going to read this for you and everyone else who's had the, I guess, honor of having a Sagittarius friend, boyfriend, whatever. We're a great sign to sleep with, just saying. Um, 
This is a little intro. Um, the chapters in this book are divided. Um, I don't know if any of you have read Linda Goodman's book, Sun Signs, Love Signs, cult text from the 60s and 70s. When Dorothy Alaska and I set out to write an astrology book, we definitely wanted to write poems for it, but we also wanted to incorporate the original spirit of Linda Goodman and those books, um, which are so metaphorical and really, they work through the imagination, which is where I think that astrology resides. Um, we are less inclined to sort of do math or charts or any of that bullshit. We're sort of, you know, we're poets. Like, we sort of go with it. So anyhow, um, the book is set up in different sections. There's Sagittarius as a lover, Sagittarius as a friend, the Sagittarius imagination. Each opening chapter sort of focuses on a celebrity that publicly uh, embodies the sign. And for Sag, it's Brittany. So here we go. I remember exactly what I was doing when Britney Spears shaved her head, painting my nails black and ignoring my cancer boyfriend. <laughs> Somehow we'd lasted through three years of college and in February of 2007, during our last semester, I was starting to get sick of him. All those texts and cancer check-ins, constantly wanting to be reassured about everything and getting so comfortable in our relationship that he stopped looking hot. Like a real problem, right? Especially when you're 19. You can't like get fat then. N not, you know, I'm just saying. He just, anyhow. <laughs> I'm gonna get canceled on this book tour. <laughs> but I'm in LA, it doesn't matter. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was 22 and that was not going to be my life, being with him. He also had this way of suffocating me with plans. On this particular Friday, I didn't want to see him for dinner. Like any Sagittarius, I wanted to go out and flirt. I wanted to be a little selfish and reckless. Waiting for my nails to dry and staring at my laptop, I saw a photo of Britney Spears with half her head shaved. Immediately, I clicked on the article and saw others. Britney with an umbrella, about to smash a car window. Britney holding a pair of clippers in a gray hoodie. She was in some random California hair salon, and everyone around her looked terrified, not sure if they should be helping her or not. Maybe that's why she more or less had to do it herself, half laughing while staring in the mirror, half indulging some pit of despair that would grow more and more familiar to me as I got older. Britney Spears was the most famous teenager in American culture. Every straight boy I knew jerked off to her, gay boys idolized her, and girls studied her shamelessly because they wanted to look like her. I remember grocery shopping with my mother sometime in middle school and seeing her David LaChapelle Rolling Stone cover. Brittany on a hot pink bedspread in a satin black bra, holding a landline phone in one hand, relic of the 90s, and a purple Teletubby, the gay one, in the other. This is very important. She was truly communicating with me even then. I begged my mother to buy it. Of course she obliged because she probably hoped I was straight, the irony. And on the car ride home, I didn't read a single word of the article. I don't read journalism even now. <laughs> I stared at the photos and decided Britney Spears was a saint. She was a good girl. She was Lolita. She was your gay best friend and a fantasy too. That was her genius. She was communicating with nearly everyone. Those of us who grew up with Britney have a fondness for her the borders on parental protection. Even though she was the popular girl, you wanted to help her. You knew something under the surface was deeply wrong. That February incident would lead to an entire summer where the paparazzi would not leave Britney Spears alone. She was seen using a fake British accent at a gas station. 
crying in public often, and going through countless wigs while wearing sunglasses almost at all times. She suddenly became human, though of course she'd always been, while looking her most surreal. That's the thing about a Sagittarius. We seem larger than life and unapproachable on the outside, though few people will ask if we're okay because we're great entertainers. Even in the midst of a breakdown, a Sagittarius is mesmerizing and magnetic. I'm calling myself that, right? But no, really, um, in some ways, I loved the idea that that breakdown for Britney Spears became sort of her at her core in some ways, right? Like, she just became so real to me, at least, um, in this way that um, celebrities kind of don't anymore. Like, they had to like lock her away for that, right? And be like, oh, you can't, you have no control over your career now. You can't be crazy. Don't we wish Taylor Swift would just do that too? Like, she's a Sag, so just like break out of the shell, right? So, um, yeah, classic Sagittarius, Britney Spears, 2007. Um, I'm gonna read some texts, um, which you guys probably know us for. I mean, tweets. Uh, you probably know us for tweets. Um, but there's <laughs> there's a section in this book. Um, for texting, um, so each sign and sort of how they text. If people ask us how we wrote it, um, I didn't really write a lot of it, to be honest, it just came straight from my phone. I mean, obviously there's ed editorializing, but um, uh, when, when Dorothy Alaski is here, she sort of likes to make this joke that I've slept with every sign, which is not true. But I've slept with a good number of them. And um, Aquarius is one, uh, also Britney Spears, Aquarius moon. So if you know what the moon sign is, right, you're sort of, it's who you are. It's like, it's like who you are in a shot glass. It's is there like a sign that you've slept with the most out of? Yes, there is. Um, cancers and Pisces. Cancer and Pisces men. And like... Do you think, um, was that, were those good, like, good, was that a good decision, or do you think, like, looking back, like, Capricorn, like, if you'd thrown in some Capricorns, it might have... I wish I'd slept with richer men. Um, I so don't just richer Pisces Cap well, and Cancers. Capricorns, I feel like if we want to talk about money, there's certain signs that are very good with money. Capricorn is one of them. Um, because they're power hungry, too. Who else? Just in case anyone else here is... Looking for a... Aquarians, strangely, though of course all the Aquarians I'd slept with were like 19, when I was like 20. Um, what can you say and not get canceled these days? Anyhow, um, yeah, Capricorns, Aquarians, I would say Virgos are very good with money. Um, the Earth signs, generally, are, tend to be, you know... We can handle our shit. You can handle your shit. I'm attracted to really chaotic men, or, you know, up to now I have been. So I do like the water signs very much. Um, and, yeah, but for some reason, like, Aquarius, Aquarius is a sign that I've definitely slept with a lot. They're great at sex. They just don't stick, for me, personally. Sorry, are you an Aquarius? Do you feel that, though? Yeah. There's a there's a postcoital coldness that I've experienced with Aquarians, but that would probably that might be different for you as a fire sign. Well, that's a turn on for me. Right. Like so you enjoy the sort of the postcoital like rejection. Definitely ignore me. Yeah. Definitely no, turn down if you ignore me, you know. Mm -hmm. Do not text me back. Right. 
if you, if you want me to be your boyfriend, do not text me back. Right. Um, so this is sort of about that. I've dated maybe like three Aquarians, one for sort of a very long time and one for a very short time that felt very long. Um, <laughs> texting with an Aquarius. I'm never really sure what Aquarians are saying. They use words, I guess, but those words require their own translation. Getting a text from an Aquarius is like talking to someone drunk at a wedding. It's either really short and emotionally shocking or longer than you anticipated in saying something about something else that has nothing to do with the something you were talking about to begin with. What I find even more curious is that you can respond entirely off topic and they will just go along with it. As if their phones were tapped and all the texting were in code, except no one agreed what the code is. Given all this, Aquarians are actually quite good at making plans and following through. You just might have to text in Middle English or French and maybe bark. So here are some texts directly pulled from my phone, some editorializing. My editor was really uh, concerned for me when I wrote these sections because I would like send him the text. I was like, really, someone said this to me. He's like, wow. I mean, he's a straight man, so, you know. They think anything over like a line is like communication. No offense. Aquarius sex. Aquarius. Hey, want to come to this bar called my bedroom? You. Oh. Aquarius. The stars remind me of the way you do your hair in winter surrounded by dead trees. Uh, that one worked on me, though. Right? Of course. Yeah, are you an Aquarius? I could tell. Aquarius check-in. You. Hey, how's everything? What's up? Aquarius. Just thinking about how King Lear is basically modern life and how Crystal Pepsi was a thing in the 90s. Taco emoji. Very abstract use of emojis. I don't know if you can speak to that. Very abstract. Uh, certainly uh, captivating, but I don't know what it means. Aquarius making plans. Aquarius. Can't wait to see you at 747 tomorrow night by that sculpture we both like. You. Yeah. Aquarius nostalgia. This is my favorite one because it sort of points to the fact that I'm a little bit of an asshole. You know when you've seen someone maybe like twice or three times but their number isn't in your phone? The dangerous thing about that is that I clear texts uh, because I don't like to see what I say to people when I'm drunk or even sober. So I just clear texts, like like everybody, like Dorothea, you, anybody. No, not me. Not you, because we don't text that often, but yeah. you never say anything bad to me either. Um, but anyhow. I'm a Virgo, we're like not offensive. Never. Yeah, we're yeah. just sort of like. And I thrive on being offensive. So, so I had cleared this person's number and I couldn't bring it back obviously because he wasn't a name in my phone and I was just like, well, he'll text at some point. So anyhow, I got this text on a Saturday morning, very cryptic, Aquarius. I just miss how everything was in the beginning. You, what beginning? <laughs> Aquarius, you know, like the beginning of time. <laughs> Didn't work out, that one did not work out. You know, with that person. Aquarius sadness. Aquarius, do you ever think about all the places where it's raining right now? You, but it's not raining right now. Aquarius, I know, but somewhere it is. I love that. 
that, that turns me on. You know, someone just constantly thinking about their sadness, but definitely, and being ignored. Um, so, yeah, for sure. I mean, so Pisces, Cancer, men for me. What about you? I mean, the whole spectrum. Um, I one time did a tally, and it was fairly even. Um, I think like I've gotten the most hooked on Scorpios because I have a Scorpio moon. Of course you have. Yeah, and so like there's you know they tap into the thing within, but then like um, I fear that I'm too like stodgy in some way. Like well, you're a Virgo. Yeah, well, right, and um, exactly. So I guess like the Scorpios have kind of um, like ripped my heart out, but it was really like I they didn't rip it. I just sort of like impaled myself on. The Scorpio. Are there any Scorpios in the room? Okay, one. Wait, what is everybody? What, There's who, one sad. Who are you people? Should we do a roll call? Let's do it. So, Aries. Okay, some Aries. Taurus. Wow. A lot of Taurus. Taurus are good show-uppers when they leave the house. Great sex. Gemini. Okay. Uh, Cancers. Yes, okay, there they are. Uh, what's after? Leah. Leah. Oh my nice. Shy. Um, odd. Virgos. Yay. Okay, Virgos, yes. Libras? Love Libras. There we are. Scorpios. One. Two. Sages, we got you. Capricorns? Sorry to rag on you earlier. It's interesting you guys are all, like, all the Capricorns are over there and the Libras are there. I know, they congregated. But there's a lot of Tauruses in the crowd. That makes me feel safe. It's nice. It's nice that they got off the sofa for you. They have the best beds. Because that's a rarity. Have you guys ever had sex with a, like, a Taurus? They have the best beds. How long does it take a Taurus to get ready? Like when you're waiting for a Taurus, there's a, there's a slowness. I mean, they might never come out. Yeah. I'm not expecting them to, you know. It's their sensuality. What'd you say? You did? That's so sweet. Well, you look amazing. You do. You do. Um, I would read some part of the Taurus chapter, but I didn't write it. So the way that this book works is we took six signs each. Um, so Dorothy Olasky wrote six. I wrote six. We sort of took the ones that we know the most about, which for me was like, who have I slept with the most? Um, and for her, it was a little more scientific. But um, Libra is a sign that I love. I don't know how you feel about Libras, but I love them because they're... Neutral. Neutral? Okay. Well, I really love them. So whenever there's a Libra, I feel very drawn to them because they're um, very aesthetically minded. Um, and uh, this is a little short introduction to the Libra chapter. Marilyn Monroe makes a cameo. She's a Gemini. Libras, Geminis love each other. Um, in his famous essay, A Beautiful Child, Truman Capote, a Libra, describes spending a day in New York with Marilyn Monroe. They attend a funeral, drink champagne, and by day's end, somehow find themselves by the water, talking about the afterlife and how misunderstood they are. Given that both were air signs, Monroe, one of the most famous Geminis, this wild trajectory from despair to frivolity, romance to existential dread, is hardly surprising. Air signs are unpredictable. They're interested in living as variously as possible and often find comfort in a detour. Moving through the material world, they're in awe of material itself, 
yet constantly looking for something more, something to occupy their short attention spans, which often get them in trouble and leave them confused and indecisive. This can be chaotic, friends of air signs can attest. It can also feel childlike, new, and full of possibility. Libras are the most refined air sign. They are predisposed to being graceful, highly concerned with aesthetics, and deeply philosophical about anything from a song on the radio to the origins of desire. This is evident with Capote, who guides Monroe throughout their entire journey, checking in on her when she disappears into the bathroom to have a mini meltdown, Gemini style, paying for a cab to go downtown on a whim and feed the seagulls by the pier, and reassuring her about her potentially fraught future while simultaneously indulging her drama. Libras love drama. They are theatrical creatures. They see drama as entertaining rather than serious. They're also dependable and nurturing, even if not effusive or recognizably warm. What you have to understand is that Libras prove their loyalty through action and through style. Drinking champagne with a friend is appropriate at all times. Decadence is proof that people don't regret life. And what Monroe finds slightly unreadable and also alluring about Capote is his dark humor and wit. Two things Libras charm with and two things they use to cover up pain, most of which gets coded in their creative endeavors or the furniture they buy. For much of their day together, Monroe talks and talks about herself as Geminis are known to do. She doesn't say anything important, but it's all very captivating. And while Capote often interrupts her with a joke or some provocative observation about her love life, he chooses not to reveal anything personal about himself or let her in on the fact that he knows she's sleeping with the playwright Arthur Miller, another Libra, the very thing she's trying to hide from the press. Capote leaves the spotlight on her. He studies her, coming off guarded but polite. This is one way of saying that Libras do not need to be the center of attention. Being discreet and tactful is more important to them. Yet they have this way of delivering the truth in their artfully phrased Libra obscurity, attempting not to hurt your feelings while being unable to lie at the same time. And so as the day ends and Capote has satisfied all of Monroe's whims, he finds her to be beautiful but a child, a beautiful child. He tells her this. It's hardly meant as a critique, but it isn't exactly praise either. If anything, his judgment is a faithful representation of the complexity of her character and demonstrates how perceptive Libras are. While they may never kiss your ass, they're great at kissing, and they'll also tell you how they see you, which turns out to be pretty close to what you are. You just have to be someone who appreciates that kind of honesty. So I think that you all need to find some Libra friends, to be honest. Um, or if you're friends with someone like Marilyn Monroe, I suppose, you know. I think it's kind of ballsy to critique Marilyn Monroe, right? I mean, it, it takes a Libra fag to do it. It's just, it's, you know. Like, who else is going to say shit to Marilyn Monroe? Um, but, yeah. You can. I'd love for you to ask me questions. I'd love to just talk to you. We could just talk. Yeah. I wanted to ask you how you handle it when, like, someone finds out that you know astrology and then they ask you to, um, and they give you their sign and they give you their partner's sign and you're like, oh, this is a bad situation. Yeah, I, I usually lie yeah. if I have to, I don't like being like super provocative one-on-one -on -one with people. 
So when I find out that people are a bad match, well, I don't really know that from just their sun signs, right? Like people like usually bring me charts. They talk to me about things that happened. And, you know, I have my way of, well, it depends if I want to sleep with them because then I convince them that I'm a great match. Right. Right. So, um, and you convince yourself. Always. I'm always ready to be convinced by a bad decision. Yeah. Um, but I, it's, it depends. I don't think that I'm great with people that I know. I'm better with strangers because then I can be more, um, you know, like I think what Capote does with Monroe where he tells her like, you're basically a child. You're just a beautiful child. Like I couldn't do that for my friends. I don't have that kind of candor. Um, what's your moon and rising? My moon is Pisces. My rising is Aquarius. Mm. So I think that I read as an Aquarius a lot. Um, I read as kind of unapproachable sometimes, though. And you also read as less emotional than you are. Oh, God. Well, you know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very emotional, but people don't usually think that I am. I write poetry, though. Isn't that odd? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, what would I be <laughs> if not emotional? Um, so, like, fuck, Mary kill, um... Aries with a Scorpio moon, Scorpio with an Aries moon, or uh, Othello Sagittarius with a Scorpio moon. Well, I'd kill all of them but the Sagittarius, and I'd have sex with him, for sure. You can't marry a Sagittarius, right? You can't ever get them to commit. I mean, there's some cases, but they're great at sex. They're great at, like, the illusion of freedom, too. Those are my favorite signs. I think the fire signs all want freedom, but it's the illusion of freedom. They want someone to want them constantly, but that person can't lock it down. That's the difference between you and us, because you're an earth sign, and you like stability, though you think that you're so wild. I'm not saying you, but like earth signs, right? They like stability. Like, I mean, Taurus is my favorite earth sign, and I think that they demonstrate this constantly, you know? Um, so, yeah. Do you think that astrology can be, or even, or any kind of, like, self-knowledge can be a path to, um, healing, like, genuine healing, um, or, um, like, progress, like, a forward progress as a human being, or is it more of like a, a just a spot like a spiraling deeper um, into kind of self interrogation, which I guess in itself could be healing. But yeah, well, it's, like can we use it to control one's life and to um, orchestrate one's life? Probably not. Um, I think that the way that Dorothy Olasky and I, and maybe even you, came to astrology or other things is in looking, constantly looking for something to tell you why things are the way they are and what things are. And then the more you look, the more you realize that those questions definitely are unanswerable, but they definitely open you out to other avenues that you would have not been exposed to had you not been constantly asking them. I like that astrology constantly thinks about the ways that we are obviously seemingly connected, but also the ways that we, the ways that we disconnect. And what do we do with that, right? Um, because someone, because two people are a bad match doesn't mean that they shouldn't be together. And that's the thing that I think is most understood. I think that it's, when we talk about this in the book, it's in some ways so much about 
how much effort and communication people want to put into something. Like, these are going to be your obstacles, likely. Yeah, exactly. And we all have obstacles, but certain people don't tolerate certain obstacles well. So maybe that's the thing you think about with a bad match. Like, you know, you tell someone you're going to have obstacles financially because you two look at finances very differently or emotionally or whatever. That just depends, you know, what you're scared of, right? Um, And they could both... Right, right, right. Yeah. Do you think something can be... um, both, like a system of belief can be both completely true and completely not true? Yeah. Yeah, entirely, right? I mean, I'm a poet. I think that I, right? I, I don't believe that truth exists, maybe. Like objective truth. Yeah, it's so weird to say this in LA. Truth doesn't exist. <laughs> Subjective truth. Um, like in New York, if you said that, they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, but you know? They'd be like, how much are you getting paid for this reading? <laughs> how much are you getting paid to say that? But, you know, no, but truly, like, I, don't, I do think that truth doesn't exist. Or at least what we think is truth. And that's sort of a mind fuck. And that's why when people say, oh, I don't believe astrology. Well, cool, you don't have to believe anything. But it's just an investigative system of inquiry. Right? It's a system of inquiry. And... Um, it's not, it's not dogmatic, or it shouldn't be. And I think that's one thing that we tried to do in this book, is that we tried to not be prescriptive. Obviously, we see the signs as characters, and there is a kind of archetype for each character. And in fact, you know, I sort of, in some ways, even as I'm writing this novel now that I've talked to you about, I often wonder what signs my characters are, and that helps me as a writer. Mm-hmm. That helps me as a writer, but I don't want to necessarily tell my reader that. Right. But there's something about signs as archetypes, and really everyone's such a cliche of their sign. It, it kind of sucks to say, but it's true, that it does sort of help you excuse like why someone's more anal or why someone does crazy, is crazy dramatic every time you ask them sort of a normal question about their personal life, you know? Yeah. So it, it builds a kind of tolerance, I think, for me. Like, when I know someone's a Virgo, I'll leave them alone about certain things. Like you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to read something? Sure. So I'll read some of Dottie's. So there's poems in the book, too, like different astrological poems. So I'm going to read the... The Scorpio one? The Scorpio one, yeah. The Scorpio, a poem. A wild acre of entirely palm trees, blown over by rain? No, rain only falls. The wind makes sheets of invisible momentum. Do you mean that the entire landscape was flooded with debris? No, I mean to say that the whole world was heavy with intention, asking questions, silently, going in and going out in a rather methodical fashion, making everyone bleed. Soft and worn out shirts giving way to sheets of soft and worn out linen, giving way to soft and subtle naked bodies. Giving way to what? Going in and going out of the underworld. Planting spring shoots with potatoes. But were they orange, the potatoes? Oh, what a fool you are, all that very bitter wheat with which you made your supper. No, but what about the wild rush? What about all of those things you promised to the moon? Oh, forget everything. You won't, but... Oh, go on. Live as you wish, without me. Scorpios are so drama. So drama. Yeah. Um, like we were talking about... Uh, we 
Anne Sexton as Scorpio and Sylvia Plath as Scorpio. Mm. A lot of good poets are Scorpios. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I think. That not being a coincidence. I don't think it is. Yeah. Here I am saying there's no truth, but Scorpio poets are very good. Well, I guess that's like how there can be like both sim- like simultaneous pattern and chaos. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, do you think there's a point? To, to life? Or astrology or any, yeah, I don't know. I was just felt, I just wanted to ask you that. Um, yeah, I think so. The, the, it's funny because, like, the way that Dorothy Alaska and I met was at a party in Brooklyn, like, ten years ago. And we didn't know each other, but I knew her poems, um, sort of. And she was reading this really crazy poem called Boobs Are Real, about the fact that her boobs are real. Um, she has really big boobs. So I was really like, I can't believe you're screaming this poem into this microphone. And there's like four men listening and like a bunch of like, you know, gay dudes. And of course we're like captivated by her. And I went up to her afterwards and I was like, what sign are you screaming about your boobs on a Friday night in Brooklyn? And she was like, I'm an Aries. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, I was like, okay. Right. Um, instantly, I felt compassion for the fact that she needed to do that because as a Sagittarius, I constantly want to be shocking. So I was like, well, if I could be here screaming about something else, I surely would. And I was like, you got a lot of attention from people doing that. She's like, I know, that was the point. <laughs> and then we started talking about astrology and poetry. And um, we started like a secret Twitter that night which had like 40 followers by the time we quit it, which was like a week later. (laughs) Um, It was just, it was called Fire Signs for Life. It was just sort of about fire signs. We are super narcissistic. It was just about ourselves. Um, We got bored of it, we quit. Um, And um, I think there is a point because I think all these things lead you to the right people. I think that they might not solve anything for you, but they definitely lead you to the right people. And I think that anytime I've sort of followed my intuition and decided to believe whether it's like in something supernatural or magic or poetry that has led me to my people my tribe you know and I definitely wouldn't be able to find them if I was at home watching Netflix I don't think but nothing against Netflix I know I'm in Los Angeles love Netflix um should I read another one of Dottie's poems and then we'll take some questions? Let's take some questions, yeah, yeah for sure. That one's one of mine. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then I'm going to read one of Alex's. This is the Virgo poem. Um, the Virgo, a poem. Wouldn't it be you with true precision who won't let the season go, waiting for the perfect field in which you'll hide your message for the earth, a wild green thread tied loosely around everyone you love? and wildly so, and wildly here, although you'll seldom say it. Say it to the wind, the sun, the moon who's your companion. Do Love you, it. Do you like that? Is, that? is that you in some way? Yeah, I also like the, um, so it's done in couplets, whereas the Scorpio poem was a prose poem. So yeah. if you think about form too, and just like neatness, um, like, um, well, the last, actually, it's interesting because, like, the last line is, like, a um, single line, but the rest of it's in couplets. So I think that, like, if you were a Virgo writing that poem, like, that might trouble you that the last line, 
like like it might it might trouble you, but then maybe you'd like workshop. We it. should have sent it to you. Yeah, well, like you'd work. No, no. Well, I think I think it works. I think it's a good choice. But I think like what would happen is maybe you'd like you'd workshop it. You'd like internalize the criticism, um, <laughs> and then maybe like. Um, do like 20 rounds of edits and then maybe come back around and be like, I am being like very free by letting the final single line be. Oh, but wow. it had to, but it would have to be like, that's what you go through. A, yeah. So it would have to be like a very tested process. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I just do things. Right. Yeah. Things. Not everyone is so, um, I'm not free, but I do want to pretend that I am. Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm very interested in pretending I'm free. But I'm even jealous of that ability to lie to yourself about being free. Oh, yeah. It works. Yeah. really That's, works. And I that don't may even be need the, any That may be the difference. Yeah. Um, questions? Yeah. Do you guys want to ask us anything? Oh. Um, you raise your hand first. I'll come back to you. What's up? Do, do, do you need a mic? Oh, I'm good. Okay. Oh, I don't think it's homophobic. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> why do gay... I think that queer people have always lived very differently from the beginning because they've had to assimilate to the world as it is, which is obviously very patriarchal, heteronormative. We've had to figure out how to live that way when you're young, right? And then you also figure out at some point that there's this other internal world that's telling you that you don't fit into this one. So you build another world in some, in some ways before you come out or even when you come out and you live that. But it's a simultaneous living because you can't just exit this one. And I think that that ability colors everything for queer people, certainly for me, because I'm very comfortable with mystery. I'm very comfortable with not knowing. I'm very comfortable with suffering. Um, and I think that any belief system asks you to endure certain things and asks you to also take certain things as fact and also to question certain things. And I don't know, you know, I, that's part of it because queer people are in some ways wired to question. Um, not saying other people aren't, but they learn it so young that, um, you know, yeah. Poets in Love, there is, so the poet Arthur Rambeau was in love with the poet Paul Verlaine, and Paul Verlaine was married to a woman um, who was pregnant um, and having an affair with Rambeau, who was like 17, and he bought him a train ticket from Paris to this, no, 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 from where Rambeau was living, which is like outside of Paris to Paris. Um, to basically have sex with him in his house while his wife was there, which tremendous, right? I mean, he was an Aries. Um, and then Rambo and him got into like a huge fight at some point and like his wife pretty much figured out that they were fucking and Rambo shot him in the arm um, and like left. And I just love that. What was Rambo? Uh, Libra? Yeah. That, and I know that's like not the love story you wanted, but I, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I'm very inspired by that. I love that intensity, right? So um, poets do crazy things in love. 
it's sort of like I think what everyone wants to do, but they actually do it because they feel like it's like what else is there to do? Don't you think? Like yeah, and also because we're like in love with a fantasy half the time, so always. we're kind of like constructing a situation that may or may not even exist. I'm always kind of we're like shadow boxing. So shadow it's always boxing. crazy. The men in my poems are always hotter than they are in real life. Yeah. Oh. D- oh my always. God. I've, yeah, the amount of undeserving people in the love poems. Well, because it's like if you actually saw a human being as they are, like you probably wouldn't write a love poem about no. that. That's why marriage is so terrifying. People have to do things like buy toilet paper. Yeah. Cook things. I well, like a long-term relationship, it's like why are you going to – like like it's like I'm not going to write a love poem about like I'm on like the 10 and I'm like – on the f- like, can you can you microwave me a yam? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not like sexy, but like the person that you've met and like hooked up with like thrice, and then like is a ghost, and you get to write the whole narrative about them. Like, you're literally you get to write the whole narrative. Yeah, if about they're ignoring them. you, anything could be happening. Yeah, you know, you need a ghost. They could have a huge dick. You just don't know. Yeah, not knowing is so important. Who had their hand up though? Yeah. Uh, Pisces. Pisces, hi. Uh, well, they're both important in different ways. Um, your sun sign is like how you're performing love a lot of the times publicly. Um, and I don't think that that is always the truth for a lot of signs. For Leos, it is though. Like, I think that Leos are really warm lovers. They're really true in the way that they give affection. But, for example, for an Aquarius, that wouldn't be so. So then you would look to their Venus. The Venus will always tell you something. But I I think the moon does, too. Like, your moon sign is who you are, really, when no one's looking, when you're super tired, when you come home from work, when you're irritated, when you snap at something. You know, when the social mask comes off, that's your moon sign. Um... And again, it's like this ambiguity thing that we were talking about. It depends who you want to be in love. Do you want to be your like real self? I mean, how, how often are people their real selves in love? I don't know, but not me a lot of the times. Or do you want to be the idealized version of who you think you are, right? I don't know. So if like, if like the moon is, let's say, like an id and like the sun is like an ego. Yeah. That's what like, is the rising then, like, an extra mask, or is it more, like, how we're perceived? It's like the super ego. It's like, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's like, the ultra-performative sort of presentation. The rising is, like, very important for your career. Mm. That's, like, that's who you are, right? That's who you're acting as. You're, right. Your sun sign is that, but it's not necessarily in the career realm. What's your... Oh, you're a Sag. I'm a Sag rising. rising. Yeah, yeah, so everyone thinks I'm, like, really happy when they meet me. Yeah. Because I'm, like, smiling to, like, keep them away. Right. Yeah. Little do they know about you. Yeah. Yes. What do you think is I know, right? Sag with an Aquarius moon. Wow. Well, you just named two very important women. Am I wrong? No. But what I make of it is, I mean, look at how they have lived their lives. I mean, Anna Nicole, RIP, but pretty fearlessly. They're pretty brave. Um, I have a lot of things to say, but again, I don't know what I could say and not get canceled. I'm very concerned about that now. Um, But we'll talk, Mitchell. We'll talk about that. Yeah. 
I don't know necessarily what signs they are. I have a whole sequence in my first book of poems where I, like, I self-portraits as different literary characters or movie stars um, like Bridget Bardot, uh, Brett in The Sun Also Rises, Daisy from Gatsby. I think Daisy's a Libra from Gatsby. What about Brett? Like, what would your instinct say Brett is? Like Scorpio, maybe. Interesting. Yeah. Um... But that's a good question. What about the dude in The Sun Also Rises? Ugh, Jack, he, like, never has sex. Well, he can't. He, well, I always forget that. Yeah. But so, do you have, like, a vibe for him? Like an earth sign. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not a Taurus. But like a Capricorn. Maybe a Capricorn, yeah. Yes. Um, you're thinking of romance in the Wow. L.A., you're coming out tonight. That we're gonna talk about energy. Um, what makes a poem and what makes a poet? I don't know what makes a poet. Um, I'm not sure. Um, probably a lot of different people would answer that really differently. I guess someone who writes poems um, could be anyone. I know what makes a poem, but it's so inarticulable. It's like the thing that you feel at the end of it, right? Um, it's like more of like a gut thing that you go on. Um, I sort of have to rewrite something so many different times, and then by the time I'm speaking it out, and it sounds sort of like song lyrics, I'm so glad that there's not a lot of poetry people here, so they could be like, you said song lyrics are like poems, but truly they are. That's like the ultimate cancellation. The ultimate, right? Um, it's sort of like it has to sound good in the air. You know, like, you know, like when you hear like, uh, I'm not even a big Taylor Swift fan, but I'm just using her tonight. Like, like the, the chorus of a Taylor Swift song you've never heard before and it's just so good that first time. That's like sort of what you go on. You want the, you want the words to be in the perfect order. Best order, best place. Um, I don't know how to describe that feeling. It's just there. Last one. Yes. Is that you? Aww. Why do you think you're terrible at love? How old are you? So you've gone through your first Saturn return. It's happening. Um, I date women, unless you do already. No, okay, I know that that's that's always my advice to people. <laughs> date women. I've tried too. <laughs> not really. Did not go well. Did not go well. We were friends. Um, talk, come, come to me after. Not in front of all these people. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you so much. Yeah, right? You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by. And we hope to see you soon.